Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Weekly Touchdown. My name is Brandon Muting. And I'm Andrew Hammergren. All right, so we are going to start off by talking about a little bit of college football. I know last time Nick and I talked about LSU and the whole Odell Beckham Jr. situation, but Andrew mostly is going to talk about <laughs> the Nebraska recruitment, and then we're going to talk a little bit about of a ex-Husker coach. We'll touch on him as well, but Andrew, I'll let you get started. All right, so... You know, football season's over, unfortunately, for college. College is my life. College football is my life. I love it. So in the offseason, it's really nice to look at the commits and prospects for years to come. Um, and, you know, Nebraska, this past uh, early signing period, signed a pretty good class. They're ranked number 20 nationally, um, headlined by Turner Corcoran. Uh, he's a four-star, almost a five-star. People were thinking he might have made it to a five-star after the All-American Bowl. Wasn't able to do that. Then you have Xavier Betts, wide receiver out of Bellevue, Nebraska. Keyshawn Green, linebacker out of Florida. Marcus Fleming, a wide receiver out of Florida. Those are just a few of the names to look out for. Um, what Nebraska really did well in this last recruiting class is recruiting out of Florida. Okay. They got they were able to nag snag seven people out of the state of Florida. Seven? Seven out of the state of Florida. Is that for this year or next year? This year. Okay, wow, that's a lot. Yes. And um, – Mostly, I think they got two recruits from Miami Northwestern, which is a phenomenal high school, produces quite a lot of uh, NFL talent, Marcus Fleming and Jane Francois. Um, there's a little uh, there's a little controversy for Jane Francois because they're given a uh, false statement that one of the coaches was leaving. I think they're saying that... Uh, Actually, I don't think it was false because they were saying Jovan DeWitt was going to be leaving, and he ended up leaving in North Carolina. Never mind. Okay, so the, so they were the rumors were true. The rumors ended up being true. Okay, but we thought. I mean, there's no like official statement at the time. Um, yeah. So now that I think about it, that, that's pretty crazy that he ended up going to Nebraska after that. Um, anyways, got one quarterback out of the class, Logan Smothers, out of Muscle Shoals, Alabama. He's look. I looked at his film. He looks very, very good. Uh, he's fast. Um, I think he has the potential to be a starting quarterback one day for Nebraska. Okay. Uh, you know, I love Luke McCaffrey. I think that he's going to get his time to shine here at Nebraska. Um, maybe not next year, but definitely the year after. I think he's going to get some opportunities. But so the good thing about the early signing period is that people are able to enroll early at the University of Nebraska or any college that they chose. So we got quite a few people this year. We have Turner Corcoran, Logan Smothers, Blaze Gunnarsson out of Carroll, Iowa, Iowa represent, uh, Jaden Francois, Tamman Lynham, Henry Gray, Ativa Malga Clements, and Isaac Gifford, who's a blue shirt here from Lincoln. Uh, two people were having a little bit of troubles getting into university early. That's wide receiver Lance uh, Brown and defensive lineman Jordan Riley. I think that everything got cleared with them. Um, but I'm really excited for Turner Corcoran. He is the offensive lineman, like I said. The offensive line for Nebraska got better and better as the season progressed this year. But uh, having Turner Corcoran, who is such a talent, I think he was the number three offensive lineman ranked on 24-7 sports, he's going to provide some great depth for that offensive line. Maybe he'll start this year. Uh, I think Bryce Benhart will probably get the edge on that because he has a year in the program, uh, able to get that uh uh, strength and conditioning um, program. And then next year, 2021, you have Thomas Fedone, 
who I am really excited for Nebraska to possibly get. Uh, right now, they're, his, uh, they're Nebraska's top target, and um, he's a tight end out of Lewis Central and Council Bluffs. He's ranked number 275 nationally, and he is a tight end. But people are also thinking Iowa could get him. Of course, he's from Iowa, so it would be nice to stay home. Um, but Nebraska is kind of the big uh, but, You can make an argument for the Iowa well, Hawkeyes. Yeah. Well, here's also the thing. He's a tight end. Iowa has some great tight ends. Noah Fant. Noah Fant. TJ Hawkinson. Dallas Clark. Yes. I mean, those are quality names for tight ends. And, oh, George Kittle. George, George Kittle. Kittle. Also from Iowa. Um, you know, I think that he would be a huge get for Nebraska to get. And another person who I'm looking after is Terrence Lewis. Remember how I was talking about Jaden Francois yep. and Marcus Fleming earlier from Miami Northwestern? Terrence Lewis was a junior on that state championship 6A state champion team last year, and he's a linebacker out of that school. He's number 30 nationally, and wow. he has posted many times on Twitter like, hey, Nebraska, what's up? Go Big Red, and uh, kind of teasing us and Nebraska fans, but I think there's a good chance Nebraska could get him too. Okay. Uh, what it, other offers is he getting? Uh, right now the interest is warm for Florida, Nebraska, Texas a and Alabama. Great, all great Those teams. are good schools. Those are amazing schools. Um, you know, and if he went to Florida or Miami, I don't blame him. He's It's home. Oh, yeah. Home it, is it, where the heart is. Right. And for Nebraska to be able to steal seven people out of the state of Florida, like I was saying, those two players from Miami Northwestern, they were committed at – both of them were committed to Miami at one point. Decommitted, and now they're going to Lincoln, Nebraska, somewhere in the middle of a cornfield. And now that I'm thinking about this – do you think Scott Frost, him using or him that, let me rephrase that, since he used to coach at UCF, do you think there's a reason he knows so much about these prospects? Do you think that's a reasoning? Oh, one hundred percent. Okay. Um, and that benefited us. Correct. Yep. And uh, they have the connections to those Florida high school coaches. They remember Scott Frost and his staff. Oh yeah. Uh, other than you know Troy Walters leaving, uh, Jovan Dewitt. Uh, Nebraska's kept their whole staff. Yeah. And they have those connections to Florida where they're going to open them with welcome arms. And people remember UCF from oh, Florida. Yeah. I mean, everybody is like, UCF went from 0-12, 12-0 in a couple of years. And people believe in Scott Frost, but things need to start turning Shaping around. Now. Because people are going to start forgetting about UCF. Um, you know, there are a couple people who, in the Next year's recruiting class, I think, would be really good. Avante Dickerson, he's from Omaha West Side, number 79 nationally. Okay. He is one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Um, they're saying that Nebraska and Ohio State are both pretty Ooh. good uh, candidates to get him. Um, Kay Denhoff, a defensive end out of Lakeland Christian High School in Lakeland, Florida. Another top 100 group, number 91 in the nation, and... Nebraska's warm in his interest. So, you know, there's I'm excited for this recruiting class. This year I think will be I think it's Scott Frost third full recruiting cycle, I believe. Okay. Yep, it will be his third full recruiting cycle. And he didn't have much of the time the first cycle. Right. So right, a lot right. of that was not his fault. Exactly. Um or actually, no, it's a second. His second full So he cycle. didn't get to do – was Mike Riley the one that did the last cycle? Yep, and then he pretty much had to gut that whole entire thing. A lot of people decommitted. A lot of people from that recruiting class are not on the team anymore. Wow. Uh, you have Adrian Martinez who's still there. 
<laughs> That's all you can think of, right? That's all I can think of. Was Maurice Washington a part of that? I know he he's was. not. He's he's not on the team anymore, but he was part of that first class by Scott Frost. Uh, I think Scott Frost and his staff was looking for the talent instead of the quality of character. Not saying that these people are bad people or anything, um, but it just wasn't a right fit for the culture that the staff is trying to set for the future. Um, so Adrian Martinez is really the only one who I can think about. Okay. But if you look last year, last year a lot of people who were playing outstanding and were making the biggest impact were the freshmen. Yeah. And so you have Wandale. Garrett Nelson, he got a black shirt. He didn't start, but he still got a black shirt because he's Nebraska homegrown, and he was able to he, – he is the definition of a Husker. Was Lamar Jackson a freshman? Lamar Jackson, he's a senior. He graduated. Oh, okay. So, yeah, nothing about <laughs> Husker football, guys. Yeah. Oh, Cam Taylor-Britt, he was also from that first, okay. that first class. He's also doing outstanding. It's Scott Frost guys that are doing great. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of people like Lamar Jackson – uh, Muhammad Barry, who have gone through such a transition. Yes. But they were able to lead that team along, and I think that things are only going to get better from here. I'm really excited. Um, you know, of course, you have your doubts when you're a fan. You're like, ah, man, if only this was different, or maybe if we got rid of this one person, something would be better. But when you take you step away for a second, and you look at the big picture. You look at everything, all the small details. This team will be good. Oh, yeah. One day. Next year, they'll definitely make a bowl game. That is my main hope. That's your bold prediction. Yep. Well, I don't think it's even bold. All The first seven games on Nebraska's schedule, completely winnable. I think that there is a possibility Nebraska could start out 7-0. and But then, to end the year, it's a gauntlet. Here, let me pull that up real quick. Um... I mean, they almost beat Iowa this year. They almost beat Iowa this year. Iowa, actually. So they had three losses, I believe. Yep. Three losses. All three were one-score games. So if you turn around all those games, then that could they're an undefeated different. team. Yeah. They could. I don't think they would have been in Ohio State. No. Ohio okay. State's too good with Justin Fields. Yeah. So for next year, this is just a very quick um, preview of next season. First seven games are winnable. So you start off the year with Purdue. Okay. Central Michigan, okay. South Dakota State. Yep. Cincinnati will be a tough game. Yes, Cincinnati. Northwestern. Could also Illinois. Be a tough game. And Rutgers. Very well. I don't All think it's, I don't think it's bold to say that they'll start out seven and zero. They could be nail biters. A couple of those. Yeah, I think that Northwestern and Cincinnati. That's what I was thinking. Even Cincinnati. Actually, Illinois. I'd say Illinois and Cincinnati are going to be the two hardest uh, games on so that. So you don't think Northwestern? No. Well, they're going to be decent. Northwestern is a sound team. They always uh, – Northwestern has the discipline with Pat Fitzgerald there as coach. Um, those are always great games between Nebraska and Northwestern. But here is the gauntlet at Ohio State. Home against Penn State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, home against Minnesota. Those are all going to be very tough. They could go zero and five to end the year. Seven and five, right? But still, bowl game. It's kind still of. it's still a bowl game. I mean, I think that Nebraska, Ohio State's not going to be a winnable game. I'm sorry, Ohio State is unreal. Very. They're losing Chase Young. Uh, Malik Harrison, K.J. Hill, a lot of the wide receivers, but you still have Justin Fields. 
uh, I think J.K. Dobbins, I think he declared for he the He declared for the draft, yes. Yep. Penn State, Sean Clifford at quarter. I, that's going to be a tough game. James Franklin's a great coach. Iowa, they're going to be turning around their roster. I don't know how Iowa's going to be next year. They might end up be in the rebuild process. They could be in the rebuild, but, I mean, with Kirk Ferentz at coach, I mean, Iowa always develops great teams, especially great lines, both offense and defensive. Um, Wisconsin losing Jonathan Taylor, I think that was kind of a surprise to some people. Because um, he declared, right? Yeah, he declared, right. Uh, he is. He could He could have beat the all-time rushing record if he would have stayed at Wisconsin. And he didn't. Right. And then Minnesota, who knows? Minnesota is just a lottery draft right. pick right there. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for Nebraska football. And just give it time. Give it couple more seasons two one two years two years i think i think three years is really gonna be once scott frost gets his whole entire class like once his whole team is all scott frost recruits i think they'll be fine okay that's a fair that's fair yep let's talk about a former husker coach no i'm not talking about mike riley i'm talking about bo pelini I Andrew and I were actually talking about this the other day. He, in fact, Andrew, you informed me about this. I did. I had no idea. So you know, I'll let you talk about it since you informed me about it. Well, Bo Pelini, people are saying that he might join LSU as their defensive coordinator again. Again. Um, what year? Oh, actually, something just came out. Bo Pelini, Tech Sports Director, that he is not. Headed to LSU. Oh well, there you go, folks. <laughs> he is not going to LSU. Here, all right. How about we? How about we like discuss a theoretical thing? Okay, go Bo for Pelini. it. You know, Bo Pelini before he went to Nebraska. I think the year was 2007. He yes. was a defense coordinator at LSU. LSU had an amazing football team. They won the national championship that that year. Everybody thought that they were going to be here. Hold up. Yeah, everybody thought that Nebraska was going to, you know, carry that over, be a national title contender. I mean, they had one of the best defenses uh, during Bo Pelini's time, especially that 2009 season. Oh, my gosh. That was scary. And Dominican Sue, Jared Crick. Nate Jerry was no, here. No, 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 no. Nate Gary was. Oh, wait, no, that was. No, oh, that was Nate Gary was, our, was during Riley. But, um, yeah, national championship game, 38-24. to 24, They beat Ohio State. Um, and that's with Bo Pelini as the defense coordinator. If you look at how many points each team scored, first game of the season, 0, 7, 0, 16, 9, 24 against Florida. Florida at that time, though, it was good. They were very good. It was Tim Tebow. Yeah. And then somehow they gave up 43 points to Kentucky. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, was triple, that was triple overtime. Ah, okay, that's fair. But 20, ah. 24. 14, or sorry, 34 against Alabama, 10-24. Another triple overtime loss to Arkansas, 14, and then 24 against Ohio State. You know, especially that first half of the season, that, that's a stout defense. And, you know, SEC is very tough. But I think that, honestly, Bo Pelini should have never been fired. That's, okay. That's my bold statement. We had... We had one of the best defenses in the country. Probably, I would even say, the best defensive team in the country while Bo Pelini was there. Kind of like how Michigan State is these days. We just didn't have an offense. That's but fair. I don't know how people can be complaining about nine wins every single year 
and then you hire Mike Riley, and then now we're just hoping to make a bowl game. Yeah. Well, you know what? I Obviously, this would never, ever happen, but imagine if Bo Pelini came to Nebraska and became our defensive coordinator. Scott, I, I trust Scott Frost on offense, and yes, we didn't have that bad of a defense this year, but if I gave all my trust for Scott Frost on offense and all my trust for Bo Pelini on defense... National title. National title. I think that's a <laughs> that, that, that's a good prediction. Obviously, that's never going to happen since Bull Polini was previously fired. But yeah. never say never. No, no, we're definitely <laughs> saying never. Never, we're never, saying never. never. Yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and move over to the NFL. Of course, not this week, but next week we are having the Super Bowl, and we're Ooh. actually not going to talk much about the Super Bowl. Oh. That's next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> Andrew's upset. Um. So the Chiefs, 49ers. Andrew and I are both fans of the Chiefs. We so are. Yeah. You know who we're rooting for. Um, but let's talk about the games that got him into the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Titans. Um, what were your thoughts on the game? Did you ever have doubts that the Chiefs would lose? Uh, you know, at the beginning of the game, it was kind of scary when Tennessee was up 17-7 to against them. Yes. It was kind of like, you know, Tennessee's one of the hottest teams in football right now. You know, they just beat the Patriots. They just beat the Ravens. And then they're up 17-7 against Kansas City. You're like, oh, man, I really don't. Is our defense going to be able to stop Derrick Henry or And we're anything? known to choke in the playoffs. Oh, right. Andy. I mean, Andy Reid's a great coach, but he is known for not doing so well uh, in the big games. But, you know, Kansas City. Pulled it out. They, they pulled the route out of their hat, and they were able to win. And Derrick Henry, I mean, he was shut down, I would say. He was. And I saw a stat. So I wasn't able to watch the beginning of the game, but I saw a stat at one point where Patrick Mahomes had like 70 rushing yards and Derrick Henry had like 60. And it was like kind of funny to see that. Kansas City's quarterback has more rushing yards than Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah. But um, that, that, was a, that, that was so fun. That was really fun to finally see this 50-year drought. And, um, you know, being in the area that we're at, the local teams that we like, we never really make it to the championship. Yep. You know, the only times in my life that my teams have ever made the championship are the Royals back in 2015-16 when they made the World Series somehow. Um, so it's nice to have a team to cheer Right, for. exactly. And, like, none of my basketball teams go. None of my uh, none of my football teams go until the Chiefs this year. Um, but it, it, it's really fun to be a fan of one of these teams and uh, see it, them advance. Right. That is true. Um, I will say this. I did have a little bit more doubt towards the end. And actually, even if the Titans had an eight-point conversion, it still made me worry because they were still only down by three. I can't think of who sacked Ryan Tannehill, but the Titans had one last chance. Yep. And Ryan Ryan Tannehill started scrambling, and whoever the Chiefs defender was, like, grabbed his foot, and Ryan Tannehill lost his balance completely. (laughs) And honestly... I mean, I'm no football player, and honestly, I probably couldn't have done it any better than Tannehill, but it looks like he could have maintained his balance, but he completely tripped. You and, know, and I'm not going to blame the game on Tannehill, but I will say it looked like he could have maintained his balance, but he fell. You know what? Give Ryan Tannehill some credit. Though. Oh, I will. He, he is – I mean, he has really had a year that he's always going to remember. He turned it around. He really did. He did. And I, I'm, I'm proud of Ryan Tannehill. If the Chiefs would have lost to Tennessee, heck yeah. Go yeah. Titans. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, of course, since I'm a Chiefs fan, I want them to make it and go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, the Titans were America's team during that game because, you know, everyone wants the underdog to win. Ryan Tannehill and Patrick Mahomes are 
the first two Big 12 quarterbacks to ever court, like be quarterback in a playoff game. Last year, Patrick Mahomes was the first Big 12 quarterback to ever be a quarterback in a NFL playoff game. And then Ryan Tannehill from Texas A&M does it this year as well. It was kind of cool to be able to see that as well. Yeah, exactly. And I will say this. Um, at the very beginning of the weekly touchdown, you probably heard Nick give his doubts about Kirk Cousins. And honestly, when uh, I heard that he was going to start over Marcus Mariota, I had my doubts about Ryan Tannehill. I'm like, if you see the way he played in Miami, it was terrible. He shut me up real quick. Um, he played outstanding. He led them to the wild card. I honestly thought the Steelers had that last wild card spot. The Titans took it over. They beat the Patriots. They beat the Ravens. And now I will give credit where credit is due. So I will – anything I said about Ryan Tannehill previously, you shut me up. Congratulations. And you deserve all the credit you get. However, let's transfer over to the NFC side of things. I was not able to watch the game, but it sounds like it was a big disappointment on the Packers' end. You're right. Um, 49ers, Jimmy G, two and uh, Rashim Mostert? Mostert? Uh, something like that. I cannot pronounce his last name. Um, was released by seven teams <laughs> before this. And now it's finally his way to put on a showcase for the seven teams that released him that you shouldn't have. Because what a year he's had as well. So Yeah, and I saw a video on Twitter. He has a list of all of the teams that he goes through every single time before a game who released him. He's like, if only you gave me that shot. And now look at him. He's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. And those teams aren't. No. Well, unless the Chiefs released him, but I've never, I, don't I don't think he played Chiefs for the Chiefs. Did. Exactly. How many rushing yards did he have? He had 220 rushing yards yeah. in that game. Four touchdowns. Oh, man. That... <laughs> It's going to be an interesting game, though, for the Chiefs and 49ers. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be all offense versus all defense. But Yeah, I wouldn't say San Francisco's all defense. I mean, yeah, they're, they have a, Oh, well, they have, like, George Kittle. and They have George Kittle, Raheem Mo- Mostert, whatever his name, whatever, <laughs> however you pronounce it. Jimmy G, he only had 77 yards passing, but they didn't need a pass when you had 220 yards rushing. Exactly. For one guy, yeah. And the Packers have a good passing defense compared to their rushing defense. Um, now, let's talk about the Pro Bowl. Um, actually, we just learned this at lunch. We were talking about this at lunch. They're going to try out a new rule. I'm going to be, and Andrew agrees with me, we were both agreeing about how stupid this rule is. So, uh, in the Pro Bowl, this is a good way uh, to see what rules they can test out for the NFL's regular season the next year. Well, guess what they're going to try? Instead of onside kicking for the team that just scored, they get another chance from 4th and 25. 4th and 15. Or 4th and 15, thank you. From 4th and 15 instead. I'm sorry, but that ruins the purpose of an onside kick. Well, I wouldn't say it ruins the purpose. You have a better shot again that 4th and 15 than you do an onside kick. Yes. And that's the thing about onside kicks is that you don't – I mean, you're doing it for a reason. You're down. It should be really difficult to get the ball back. I mean, it should take a miracle or somehow you do some trickery, get it. But it's like any team can do a fourth and 15. What's going to be What's going to be the uh, reason why not a lot of teams just go for fourth and 15? Because some teams are very good on, like, third and fourth down. Yeah. Can get that 15 yards, like – pretty quick chiefs ravens uh, i mean those teams would be able to 
I mean, they're going to be able to get those a lot of the time. So I think that the randomness of having the onside kick is the way to go. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, then they have another rule. It's not too descriptive. It's something about kind of relaxing on offsides for wide receivers. Something about lifting the foot. Honestly, I didn't look too much into it. That rule doesn't seem to be as big as that one, the onside kick. But this um, this supports me and Nick's uh, opinion about the rules of the NFL from last week. We were talking about the XFL last week. We were talking about if the NFL doesn't change, people are going to start watching the XFL. Now, I know you have your opinion about it. I do. Um, the thing is, it, it wouldn't be very quick. It, w- it would take over time. It would be within maybe like 10 years, maybe five, that people the would. The XFL can even make it that long. They they will. I think they will. So many people have already like paid subscriptions and everything. And I will tell you why. It's because the NFL hasn't done much. Um, if I don't know who exactly makes these decisions. Um, if it is Roger Goodell, then I'm sorry. You weren't doing a good job. And I know that he probably knows a lot more than I do. He He's getting paid a lot more. Obviously, I'm a college student. I'm not even getting paid. I am paying for college. Thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> the, um, he is more worried about how the draft is set up for next year in, like, the fashion it is. People, Players are going to come onto a boat on the stage. Well, guess what? We still have other rules in the NFL we've got to worry about, but you are so worried about – he's worried about the stage for the NFL draft. You're worried about an onside kick. Well, guess what? The one rule you need to fix is overtime. Oh, I think that college overtime – is the perfect way to do the overtime. Exactly, and I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, and even, all right, maybe even in the NFL, eh, don't put it on the 25, like on the opponent's 25-yard line, but definitely both teams need to have a shot to even do anything. And even if they did go to the college rules, I I do like that, actually. If they did go to the college overtime format, Get rid of ties. What's the point of a tie? Exactly. No, I I, I don't get the point of having ties. Um, I think that one thing that could cause them to not do the college-style format is because it would pad stats on people. If they made it to overtime, you know, you get five, six, seven overtimes, get a ton of touchdowns. I mean, they're getting paid for it. But here's the thing is that – it's kind of a skewed statistical outlook on it because, yeah, maybe this person has, so, like, so many touchdowns, but look at how many overtimes they're in that it's kind of inflated of their actual skill. So they're going to be saying, hey, I had so many touchdowns, or, hey, I had so many yards, or ta- whatever. But the thing is, is you played four or five overtimes and each one of those went to like triple overtime which gives you even more opportunities to get those stats and then they're going to be wanting to get paid more and then they're going to get mad that they're not getting paid as much because gms are going to look into that kind of stuff and it's just going to cause a mess in my opinion exactly and i agree and and the, the thing that the xfl is doing and let me be real honest i'm not a fan of xfl's overtime either but I prefer XFL's overtime rules than the NFL. I know there's a lot more reasons. That's one of the reasons why people watch XFL. Because the NFL, it's basically whoever wins the coin toss. And if you have a strong-powered offense, you're going to win the game. Yeah. I mean, that's how the Saints lost in the playoffs against the Vikings. Chiefs um, last year. Yeah, Chiefs last year. So 
if they make changes, then I think the NFL will always be on top. But if they are more worried about the way the stage is looking, um, if they're more worried about an onside kick, which was never a problem, then, um, I mean, I I don't see a good reason why the XFL would pass the NFL here in a few years. Um, moving on, we're going to talk about six quarterbacks. And, of course, my computer locked me out. Um, we're going to talk about, I believe, six quarterbacks, maybe five Five quarterbacks, if you got to decide whether you kept this player for your franchise or you released him, just make the decision, would you release him or not, and why? So so trading is not an option. Trading is, yeah, you could, you, mm, yes, you can trade him because coaches right. can trade. So let's start out with Phillip Rivers, and I know before we start talking about this, I know there are rumors that he might go to Tampa Bay. Okay. Um, but let's talk about uh, Philip Rivers. What is your opinion on Philip Rivers? Keep him. Keep him. Why? Um, I really think that Philip Rivers, he could be retiring after this upcoming season. Yep. He's played for uh, the Chargers, I guess they're now LA Chargers, his entire career. And I really, I really like to see teams stick with one team their whole entire career. Oh, yeah. And retire, I mean, just a franchise legend. I don't know if Philip Rivers is going to be uh, – Hall of Fame player one day, but he is definitely going to be one of the most revered uh, Chargers of all time. And I will say, I think it's going to be an Eli Manning situation because they have the seventh pick in the draft this year, and you have three quarterbacks that you could easily pick out of the top ten. So I think what the Chargers need to do, draft a rookie, maybe have him sit the first couple weeks, and then start over Philip Or the whole first season. Or the yeah the whole preseason he, or no the whole season oh the whole season let Phil I mean because Philip Rivers I mean I still think he's a decent quarterback he's, yes he's decent he's okay he's nothing great but he's not he's not bad this was his worst season out of all of them yeah Oops. but I mean he's I mean he's still a de- decent he's quarterback decent. he is decent. um but I mean especially having a guy who's been in the league as long as him and who has the football IQ. Whatever quarterback you get, he's going to be under Phillip Rivers. Uh, just look at Patrick Mahomes. He was under Alex Smith for one whole season. Yep. Maybe, of course, I mean, looking back now, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Alex Smith, but having that one year of transitioning into the NFL, I think, really helps Mahomes. And I think that whoever they get, maybe it's Tua, maybe it's uh, Gilbert, Justin Gilbert, Herbert. Herbert, Justin sorry, Herbert. not Gilbert. They're not getting Joe Burrow, of course. No. Joe Burrow's going to Cincinnati. Yep. But even, especially if it's Tua, um, Tua might miss next season. Exactly. He probably will miss next season, and being able to like you know look or uh, develop that football IQ, I think that's another reason why Tua probably wouldn't get drafted is because he's not going to play next season. And I think it would be a good idea for the Chargers to have a backup plan such as Justin Herbert who could be an instant impact, but I really think that having that one year of time to transition is best for both parties. Exactly. Okay, I agree. So I can see where you're coming from, and I actually kind of like that idea better. Um, You brought up Mahomes and Smith. Now, let's talk about this next guy. He is the first guy to throw 30 interceptions, but also 30 touchdowns in a season. Yes, we're talking about Jameis Winston. Get him out. Out of here. Out of here. Get out of here. Not even trade him or release or what? I mean, of there's no logical reason to really release. That's if true. You, if you can trade, trade him, especially quarterback. Um, 
you know, I see you don't you don't have Cam Newton on this list. Um, no, and there's a reason for that. I'll <laughs> tell you later. Okay, well, I think that you know a team like Denver could probably get a guy like Jameis Winston or uh, Cam Newton, but uh, or even maybe Chicago. Yep. So um, we'll see, though. And I will tell you the reason why I did not add Cam Newton to this list is because um, the Panthers were talking about trading him or Kyle Allen, and actually he's going to be our next quarterback is Kyle Allen to be traded during the draft for a draft pick. Okay. And I think and I think the two spots they're looking to put him is Denver or Chicago. But I I can if I was the Buccaneers I'd keep Jameis Winston. Yes, thirty interceptions is absolutely terrible. But there are games where I want to say there was a like three weeks in a row he actually was doing very well and then he fell and then he did really well. It was very inconsistent football for Jameis Winston. If the Buccaneers this next season taught him how to be consistent, then he could be a, a very good quarterback. Um, I think they would keep him for another season, but if he continues doing what he's doing, then I agree with you. Then he needs to be traded. Um, but now let's talk about Kyle Allen, the guy who showed promising stats, and then the last few games kind of fell apart. What would you do with Kyle Allen? Uh, I like your idea of having the having him traded for a draft pick. Uh, I don't think that Cam Newton or Kyle Allen is going to be the future of the Panthers. Um, but I think if you trade him for a pick, you have a chance at getting someone who could be your future franchise quarterback like Cam Newton was for a few years. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. I – I feel like, especially after Luke Kuechly retiring early, I feel like if they did get a draft pick, it would be for defense. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, I would make Cam Newton or Kyle Allen, whichever one they don't trade, just try to reframe them as their quarterback. So for me, it's kind of the same deal. I think what the Panthers – the Panthers' idea, I like their idea, um, especially with a new head coach from Baylor. I think this is a good idea. Now – Yes, exactly. Now – Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this one's interesting. Um, That's another guy. He's obviously not going to be your franchise quarterback. Nope. So what? It's really hard to determine what you're going to do with him. Um, trade him. I don't know who wants Mitchell Trubisky. Probably release him. That's what I was just about to but, say. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky will always be the guy the Bears got instead of Patrick Mahomes, though. Yes. Um, and Deshaun Watson was also in that draft class. Yes. Um, I think when I think of Mitchell Trubisky, I think backup quarterback. Yeah. I, I think it could be a good backup quarterback, you know, if your main quarterback gets injured. But, no, I don't think he should be leave, leading the Chicago Bears squad. Um, the last one, and this is probably the most controversial quarterback of this season – and that's Baker Mayfield. Keep him. Keep him. I agree with that. Okay, why keep him, though? I think that it didn't help that Freddie Kitchens was the coach. Yes, I, I agree. I think that there's talent on that uh, Browns offense. And you, you've you heard the sophomore slump before. I think that Baker Mayfield's going to have a better year yep. this year. Um, that, that's pretty much all I have to say. I, I have belief he's not going to be – one of the best quarterbacks of all time, like everybody was saying. He's going to be mediocre. He, he's he's going to be a de- he's going to be decent. Okay, I, he reminds me a lot of not not his playing style, but he reminds me a lot of Matt Ryan. The not Peyton Manning. I was not about to say Peyton Manning. Gosh no. 
Um, he reminds me a lot of Matt Ryan. You know, Matt Ryan was never known as one of the best quarterbacks, but he also wasn't known as one of the worst. Right. He, he's run of the mill. Middle of the pack. Yep. So um, that's kind of where I'm thinking. And so many people are like, oh, they need to trade him or release him. No, he's actually not doing too bad. And I think you're right. Freddie Kitchens did not help. So no. hopefully um, McCarthy, right, is the new Browns coach. No. McCarthy's at uh, Cowboys. Dallas. Sorry, yes, that's for the Cowboys. Who's the new coach for the Browns? Oh man, um, I just remember hearing about that. Sorry about that, guys. No, McCarthy is a new coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Browns coach is Kevin Stefanski. Oh, Stefanski, Stefanski. He was um, was he the Patriots guy? Oh, offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Nope. I know who you're talking about now. Yes. So they hired him, I'm hoping, especially with a former offensive coordinator of a good offensive team like the Patriots, they can kind of figure out what Baker Mayfield is doing. I think Stefanski or Stefan, whatever, I think he was the um, – Oh, because no, Daniel's the offensive yeah, coordinator Yeah, I think he the was Patriots. the special teams guy. Okay. Well, you know what? Fair enough. A special teams uh, head coach for the Cleveland Browns, you know that works too. Yep. Um, still, I think if they are able to figure out Baker Mayfield's playing style and to get their offense put together, I think it could be a better season for the Browns. Um, that does it for this week's edition of the weekly touchdown. Um, we will next week. We'll talk about the super bowl and the week after that, we'll maybe start talking about the XFL a little bit and some, uh, mock drafts for the NFL draft. So we will see you guys next week. We have, a, we hope you guys have a good rest of your week. My name is Brandon muting and I'm Andrew Hammergren. See you guys later.